Welcome to Own It, the podcast where we talk to real estate thought leaders about embracing your strengths, taking your career to new heights, and owning your future. I'm Hillary Saunders, co-founder and chief broker officer at Side, along with my very coffee enthusiastic co-host, Spencer Curl. Good morning, well, I, sir. I always look forward to how the adjective you're going to... I don't know. I'm not sure if coffee, coffee enthused is an adjective, but I'm, I'm just going to let it go this time. It's all right. Well, another coffee enthusiast, but more importantly, in I'm s- excited to speak to our next guest, and I'm going to keep his intro short because I want to take as much time with him as I can. But Mike Del Preti has created this amazing following and being internationally recognized for his thought leadership in real estate tech. He also teaches a really cool class at the University of Colorado Boulder, which one of these days I'm going to get myself over to somehow, some way. But without further ado, Mike Del Preti, thank you so much for taking the time in your morning to speak with us. I'm so excited that you're here. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Before we start, I do want to just ask you what type of coffee you had this morning, because I know you have an affinity for Nespresso. So curious minds want to know. Yeah. Um, so I have a espresso machine downstairs. Um, so I make, I make a flat white here uh, with oat milk. And the beans I'm currently using are actually all the way from New Zealand. A buddy of mine went back to Wellington. Um, I, he went to my favorite cafe there and got me a giant bag of beans. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm using, and I am well caffeinated. Wait, are they sourced from New Zealand? Or are they no, like? No, no, uh, no. Oh, okay. You cannot grow I, coffee in New Zealand. I, I, They're I roasted say, there. Never. Okay. They're roasted in New okay. Zealand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah. And and then robusta or, or arabica? Do you have a? a preference no preference okay no preference i'll take anything all right I hear you. <laughs> anything with caffeine i love it yeah well let's dive right in because your story is so fascinating to me and being in real estate tech and your ability and passion comes out in the analyzing of data and all this information where did your initial start and love of data come from <laughs> um that's a great question i mean yeah i'm thinking you know way back 10, 20 years, I've, I've always liked spreadsheets. Um, when I used to play computer games or video games, you know, I like strategy games. Um, I don't know, it, you know, it kind of goes back to that. Why? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's it's not numbers and data and evidence. It's not a gray area, right? It's It, it either is or it isn't. There's a numerical attribute there. So there's some sort of psychological conditioning to me to, to find some comfort out of that. Um, and I think I'm also I'm also truth obsessed. You know, when I think about what I do right now, I really love this idea of of transparency, um, being you know open with the data and the and the evidence. I, I can't stand it when I read a press release or you know you read some earnings statements from a company in, in our space. I mean anywhere, but particularly in real estate tech, where you can just see what they're doing. You know, it's like oh we're going to use this number and that number, and we're going to compare it to last quarter or last year. And I mean, it's like, man, it, it's so obvious how they're trying to manipulate the story with data. So I'm trying to do the opposite, use data to, to present the whole story and then let other people, you know, make their minds up and, and make decisions based off that data. Yeah. My, my favorite stat, I think, is when P- you notice everybody in real estate is the number one agent in their area. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't understand that. And there's always that asterisk of like, of people that live at 155, you know, Raven Drive. Like, oh, okay, well, you are the number one agent there. So, you know, I'll give you that. You know, I, I was listening to, to your podcast, which I love, by the way. I, I mean, I, I, I really, really love it. And I think, I think you do great interviews. Uh, so apologies in advance for my interview style. 
But um, I, I heard that that you uh, you really like history, and you were talking about mm -hmm. how you put history into and, and when you're looking at things, when you're looking at future trends, um, what, where where do you find? I mean, how what history are you looking at when you're looking at real estate trends? Um, it's just a different way to think about things. You know, I mean, I got I got my books out there, and I mean, there's you know, I have books about strategy and. You know, but it, it's like strategy for military campaigns or you look at the Napoleonic Wars and, and you get stuff. And I mean, what, you know, I don't go in with any kind of preconceived notions, but you can't help read through that and think about, you know, Thermopylae or the Peninsula campaigns or anything like that. And and I just relate it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is a lot like Zillow versus Homes.com or, oh, yeah, this is a lot, you know, like this company and that it's the same principles, right? It's like. Where are you strong? Where is the enemy weak? How do we how do we exert the maximum amount of pressure from our strength to where the enemy's weak? And that's how you that's how you win. Um, uh, so I, I just I keep a really open mind, and I think a lot of my you know quote unquote best ideas, right? These insights people people tell me all the time. Oh, Mike, we like your insights so much. We like your insights. Um, I don't I don't just kind of wake up in the morning and have these insights, right? They come to me you know, in the shower, when I'm out bike riding, or when I'm reading a book about something completely unrelated to real estate. Or like Spencer at three in the morning when he just wakes up and he's like, oh, I know exactly what I want to talk to Mike <clears throat> about this morning. I, I, I sent this long email <laughs> and phone conversation with Hillary today. Yeah. And again, that's too much coffee at three in the morning. It's oh, that's what happens. So looking at history, this is really timely real, um, for me personally, because right now with let's call it a slowdown in the market, higher interest rates. A lot of realtors are kind of having freak out sessions like, oh no, I'm, everything is cooling off. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, but if you've been in the business long enough and you actually look at the cycles, the 15, 20 year cycles, and you understand that there are certain years like the COVID years that are outliers, how can, or how should the industry, the typical agent be looking at it? Like look back and realize that, it's just part of the cycle. Like you got to ride the wave, you got to adapt and pivot. Um, what should they be focusing on? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's this great thing. Like focus on something. Focus on the things you can control. Right. That's it. I mean, it, it just from a purely pragmatic standpoint. And I feel like I'm talking to my teenage daughters right now, right? But you know, from a purely pragmatic standpoint, there's things in life you can control, and there's things in life you can't control. Right? You can't control if another boy likes you or not. You can't control, you know, how somebody's going to react if you give them some a critique or some feedback, right? Um, and, right? You can't control interest rates, right? Nobody listening to this podcast can control interest rates or inventory or if they're, you know, sellers, you know, potential clients are going to decide to list their home today. You can't control that. There's a bunch of things you can control. And I mean, I'm like, I'm not a real estate agent. I don't know what that is. I, I talk about it in some of my recent presentations, the idea of this last mile problem. You know, if you're a real estate agent, you got to be really good at your job. That's something you can control when you wake up. How many people are you going to talk to? What kind of conversations are you going to have with them? Are you going to are you going to build a meaningful relationship? Are you going to get back to everybody who's texted you or emailed you in the past day? Or are you just going to kind of flake out and, you know, maybe maybe one or two? Th those are all things you can control. So, I, you know, I would you can't live in ignorance. So, yes, take a look at what's going on in the world. but my gosh, that would be like 1% of my day. And I'd spend the other 99% focusing on like the things I can actually control. The experience that an agent provides is the special sauce, right? That That is the stock in trade. And um, 
I think that that I, I think that might what might this, what separate brokerages out is what are they providing to the agent to help them give that experience to their client, right? Like, are you, do you think that brokerages sometimes are concentrating on the wrong things? You know, market share instead of experience share? That's a, no, it's a really good question. I, it, it's hard to do this, you know, live, right? Cause I, I'm a deep thinker and I tend to like to think about things for more than five seconds before providing an answer. But I can tell you what comes up for me as you ask that, hmm. which is, I'm not sure if brokerages can provide agents anything to, to allow them to give a great experience to customers, um, other than the freedom to be themselves and provide a great experience to customers in whatever way works for the agent, right? This isn't about, oh, um, we have this new tech product that's going to help you provide a great experience. Like, that's just a bunch of BS, you know? I mean, whether it's, it doesn't matter what technology solution you're doing. Um, it, it doesn't really matter. I can think of a whole bunch of things that brokerages can do that hinder an agent's ability to provide a great experience, right? And, you know, just, I don't know, not, nothing specific, but just think about bureaucracy or red tape, or it has to be done this way and it can't be done that way, or you have to use our product or, okay, you, you, you want to reach out to customers, but then whose logo is in the upper left? Oh, is it my logo? Is it your logo? Wait, the colors don't match up. It looks, uh, right? I mean, I can I can think of a whole bunch of stuff that gets in the way of that, um, but ultimately I think it's incumbent on the agent to provide an awesome experience, and the brokerage needs to give them the freedom and flexibility to to do that. Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Is that the client, the buyer seller, at the end of the day, is looking for a particular experience in selling their home, whether it's more white glove, less white glove, pink, blue, doesn't matter. But it's they're looking for a flavor that suits them and takes care of them. And it doesn't matter if that agent is at brokerage one, two, or three. It's the agent that's providing it. Um, the iBuyer concept came in a few years ago, a handful of years ago, that you know was the agent on the ground was like, oh, no, it's going to get rid of the agent, right? And I remember watching your, your talk. I think it was at Inman or somewhere else where <clears throat> you brought up this is great. It's a great new idea. But at the, at the end of the day, the realtor, the agent is going to have to carry that last mile and make sure that that transaction goes over the finish line. Have you seen any other um, trends that have similarly tried to get rid of the agent, but have failed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a graveyard littered with companies that have tried to disintermediate the agent or disintermediate kind of the current organized real estate structure think mlss um and and again i'm not <coughs> excuse me i'm not going to name names um specific businesses but yeah you, if you have companies that try to get rid of the agent you know it's it's for sale by owner or you know we're going to circumvent the agent use us instead save a lot of money uh you know that doesn't work those, those companies just don't um they don't get traction. And I mean, it's nothing against them, but you know, like it, this is somebody's biggest transaction. They want somebody to hold their hand through the process. There's a cycle. It's the psychology that nobody talks about. That is the most important thing. It's not technology. It's psychology. 
it, yeah, the example I always use is if you want to get, if you have to have brain surgery, you're not going to go out and look for a discount brain surgeon, right? You, you want the best. And you're not going to imagine somebody in a doctor's office, you know, like the guy's all gowned up and has the mask and you're like, hey, can we negotiate on your rate? Like, that's not, that's not how it works, right? Um, people are, are not, people are less price conscious um, when it comes to their biggest, their biggest asset. Hillary, you're going to or, ask something? Or, oh, I was going to, I was just laughing because I was like, or go to the brain surgeon that does two brain surgeries a year or three. I, I think I will stay clear. Yeah. <laughs> my brain to someone else. There's this concept where you are following a player in sports, right? You're either a Tom Brady fan, doesn't matter if he plays for the Patriots or the Buccaneers or you're a Messi fan and you'll follow him. Do you see um, similarly that a client will follow the agent no matter where they go? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, because the, it's the agent that matters, not not the brokerage. Uh, but, but the thing I might add to that is I also see and think it's it's whoever touches the customer laugh. Right. And, and you know, and what I mean by that, if you have a potential customer, I mean, just, you know, you can take me, for example. Right. I'm, I'm just making this up. But maybe I'm, I'm looking to buy a house. I go to Zillow. I, I fill out the form and then somebody from Zillow contacts me, an agent. Right. That doesn't mean I'm 100% loyal to that agent. It just, it just happens. You know, maybe I'm driving around. I go see a, um, I go see an open home. Uh, I pop in there. There's another, there's another agent, you know, they're, they touched me last, right? Um, or, uh, like the example I gave the, the buddy of mine who went to New Zealand with the coffee beans, like he's an agent, right? So I have a relationship with him. Maybe if I'm out at coffee and just earlier that morning, I had the conversation. I'm thinking about selling my home. I mentioned it to him. Like, okay, great. There he's. He's touched me last, right? It's that I don't know. It's not a last mile problem, but it's it's um I don't know. It's like recency bias or something like that. Yeah. You can you could do like a great job, an okay job, an all right job, but what probably matters more is are you the most recent person who's interacted with that potential customer? That that is yeah. so depressing because if you think about when you're choosing a doctor, <laughs> well, no, I mean it is in a sense because when you're when you think about choosing a doctor. Or something like that. You used to go get recommendations. Like I would say, oh, I'm, you know, I need this. Who do you use? Who do you use? And I would talk to 10 people. These days I go on the portal for my insurance company and see who's in network. Right. Yeah. And then I see who's in network and who's only a mile away. So I can walk over there. Uh, and, and sadly, the whole thing about the last touch, you're not getting the best person. You know, or I think maybe buyers aren't or sellers aren't doing their, their, uh, due diligence that yeah. way. You know, I want to learn. I know you created a, a tech company out of college. You created mm. it you, you, and then you um, successfully sold it and moved on with your life. What did you, we are very pro entrepreneurial, right? How what did you learn through that experience that is translatable to anyone who's trying to start their own business? Solve real problems. Pretty simple, like you know, and I can I can expand on that, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know how to. I mean, yeah, like you get. I mean, you just see so many companies, you know, raising lots of venture capital, or oh, I've got this idea, I'm going to create this new product or this new service. Um, but is it a solution in search of a problem, or are you just solving an actual? You know, are you solving a real a real problem? And and I see that with you know, I do a lot of. I, I do some startup investing, I do some advising, and you know, I like companies that keep agents at the center of the transaction. Uh, I like companies that are solving real problems, founded by people 
who are from the industry or have a deep knowledge of the industry, not from outside of the industry. Like, yes, there's value in coming in from outside, but real estate's funny, you know, and and everybody gets these first order problems. Like, yeah, I mean, the origin story for all these disruptors is exactly the same. It's like my partner and I were buying a house and the experience sucked. So we started a new whatever. Um, and that's like the first level, the first order problem. Um, but some of the most interesting companies are, are coming from those people who've been in the industry so long. They've identified the second and third level problem. The, the things I would never come up with. I would never think of. But it's, it's an actual problem. So if you're an entrepreneur and you can, you know, solve an actual problem, that's a good business to be in. If you're an entrepreneur and you have an idea and a solution and you have to like, and you have to sell it to somebody like a used car salesman, convince them that it's a good idea. You, you kind of know you're on the wrong track. You, you just want to be able to say in a sentence what you're doing and somebody be like, yes, I have that problem. How much do you want? Should brokerages be focusing on their niche or should they be spraying and praying and trying all the new fangled things? I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, lane assist, like if you ever, you're in a car, the lane mm-hmm. assist thing, I, I think I'm going to start a new service. It's like lane assist for businesses. Um, I, I mean, the lesson here is like, stay in your lane, like figure out what you're good at and just stay in your friggin' lane. And I'll like electrocute you. If you, if you start thinking like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to sell wine. We're going to do music. We're going to sell mortgage. I mean, you see it in some of the biggest companies in the space, like Zillow. Um, you know, they got into the eye buying thing. They got out of their lane, right? Now they're into mortgage. They're out of their lane. And, and you just nine times out of 10 when a company in real estate, this is important because it, real estate is for whatever reason unique. Um, nine out of 10 times when a company gets out of their lane <coughs> in real estate, it doesn't go well. It doesn't, it doesn't work. But how much of that is a factor of having very thin margins? So the failure, like like you have to succeed if you're going to have this. I think it comes down to brand. You know, people say Zillow has a great brand. So <laughs> we'll take the Zillow brand and we will apply it to mortgage, to this, to that, to that. Um, you're right. Zillow does have a great brand, but the brand is going online and looking for houses. That's That's the lane, right? Google has a great brand. It's really good at online search. If Google started selling us mortgages, you'd be like, wait a minute, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I know this as an operator. When I was in New Zealand, I was working um, you know, for the largest internet conglomerate in the country. We had a great brand. Uh, eight out of 10 Kiwis were members of our site. We had li- like literally the whole population. Once you excluded the really old and the really young, everyone in New Zealand was a member of our site. We have a great, great brand. People love us. So we thought, oh, we can do whatever we want. We'll just apply that brand and, and go into these adjacencies. And it just didn't work. It didn't work. And I think that goes down to the power of brands and, and how it how people are comfortable with that. So to you know, to distill it down, consumers want, in general, the evidence supports this idea that consumers want to get mortgages from their banks, right? Traditional banks, or they want to get a referral from the real estate agent to a loan officer. The, the idea like, oh, you, you want, people want to one click buy a house or one click get a mortgage. I, do they? Like, I haven't met somebody who's saying like, that's their number one problem right now. You know, they're wandering around. They're like, man, I want to buy a house, but I, I just really want to be able to do it with one <laughs> click on my phone. Like, that's not, a, that's an imagined problem from a boardroom, right? From a publicly listed business. That's not an actual problem. So I do I, I like to buy toilet paper 
from Amazon in one click. Because when I'm out at the house, it's like, oh, nope, that needs to come now. <laughs> I like to do a lot of things one click, not buy a friggin' house or get a mortgage, right? And that's me. I'm not everybody, but, I, you know, it makes sense at certain price points. Well, so a lot of times the value proposition that a uh, that a brokerage is going to give an agent, right, in terms of recruiting an agent is saying, well, we have this app that will let your clients, I remember like I was with a company like, oh, they can do search on this, they can do search on that. And really, they were used to doing search on another app. They were they were using Zillow or something else. Mm. And I'm giving them my app. I'm like, why am I going to use yet another thing, another platform I, I have to use? So uh, do, you, do you see that as a brokerage getting out of its lane by trying to provide tech like that? I, I question the intent. Because for a lot of examples there, what's being offered is good for the brokerage and not good for the agent. Or it's 10 times better for the brokerage than, than mm-hmm. it is the agent. I don't want to say it's bad for the agent. Um, but yeah, like a brokerage giving agents like an all-in-one app ecosystem, upload all your data, um, one click to, to connect to mortgage, one click for title. That sounds like something that's really good for the brokerage. They can make a lot of money and it's hard for the agent to leave. Like really good for the brokerage. Is it good for an agent? I don't know. Like the agent probably has a loan officer they've worked with for two decades who they know can get the job done. Like, you know, how is it How is it good for them? Is the agent like literally walking around saying, man, it's such a pain connecting to my loan officer. I wish I could have an online dashboard to give to my customer where they could just one click this, this, and this. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. But the fact is like, that's the question you have to answer to see if this is actually good for an agent or not. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? We live and we learn through all the, you know, failures and triumphs and everything like that. For you personally, is there anything that you would tell your younger self to do differently in your journey? No, I always struggle with that question because I'm, I'm really happy with my life and how it's turned out. And there's been ups and downs and hardships and, and all of that. But this is my life and I love it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, so. No, it, have I made mistakes? Yes, but I, I don't want to go back and, you know, and, and undo that or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I think where it really where the rubber hits the road for me is when I think about my kids. Right. The way you raise your kids is going to be different based on it's going to be affected by how you were raised and, and the life experiences you've had. So I think there's this idea, I'll, I'll give you an answer, right? There's this idea in American culture that you're kind of on this conveyor belt, like these things you have to do. You have to go to, you have to go to school and go to high school and take the PSATs and the SATs. Then you have to go to college and get a good four-year degree. And, you know, then you have and student loans and then you have to go out and get a job in corporate America. And if it's corporate America, maybe it's one of the big for consulting firms, you know, and then you you kind of you have to get a house, you have to get married, you have to have kids. It's this conveyor belt of, of these automatic assumptions. And I want to challenge my kids and I would challenge everybody to just challenge the assumption. Like you don't have to go to college. Like nobody says you have to go to college. Do what do you want to do? What do you want to get out of life? What what kind of experiences do you want to have? Where do you want to get to? Um, and, and what's the next right step to get there? You can't plan it all out right now, but, but what makes, what makes the most sense? So I I think that's kind of where I'm at when I think about the structure that I want to provide my kids and this idea of just like critical thinking is so important not to take anything for granted, not to assume anything, but to think about it for yourself, figure out what you want and, and how you can get there. I think that's extremely valuable and challenge the status quo. Why, why is it there? Does it need to be there? Can it be changed? I love, I love that concept too. 
Well, time is precious and we want to thank you so much for joining us on Own It. And I want to give your podcast a plug, Context, which is a wonderful podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And then Mike, your website, right, is MikeDP.com. Yep, that's right. Got a newsletter awesome. there. You can sign up and see all this stuff. And then you can also find Mike on LinkedIn as well. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice being here. I could chatting with everybody. This is our last podcast for 2023. We want to wish you and your families a wonderful holiday season and come back and join us. We have some amazing guests lined up at the beginning of 2024 that will be incredible to listen to. They're inspirational. And as in all things real estate, they've got lots of takeaways for you as listeners. So thank you again from us at Own It. Have a wonderful holiday and a joyous new year. And we will see you in 2024.